Do you remember Lance Von Erich from World Class Championship Wrestling? You can read all about his wrestling career in Portland, in Dallas, and overseas in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. 25 chapters in all. You'll be surprised what you read. Go to LanceByChance.com. Bill Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and today's guest is Rock Riddle. Rock, how you doing today? Fantastic. I am the original Mr. Wonderful of professional wrestling, the diamond ring and Maserati man, the man who possesses the body that men fear and women love, the intercontinental lover, the Rolls Royce of wrestling, Rock Riddle. So there, I did the introduction for you. There you go. Thank you very much. I could have, uh, I could have saved my breath, right? Yeah, why not? Rock, you are a very uh, colorful, very interesting character. I've uh, enjoyed talking with you and, and learning about you. Uh, share with uh, some of the fans that may not be f- familiar with you uh, who you are, what you do, what your connection is to professional wrestling, and let's let's get to know a little bit about you. I am the original Mr. Wonderful of professional wrestling. I am a three-time Hall of Famer. And been in the business for several decades. I've wrestled virtually every legend there is a dozen or more times. I've been very fortunate. Uh, I have helped sell out arenas all over the United States, up into Canada. At the height of my career, I had top billing over the heavyweight championship of the world. That's when Jack Briscoe was world champion. What a fantastic person he was and a friend. But Jack Briscoe, world champion versus Ken Mantell, junior heavyweight championship, or junior heavyweight champion, and they were wrestling to determine the definitive heavyweight champion of the world. They were semifinal. I was main event. So I have some degree of knowledge and insight into the professional wrestling business. I do a lot of other things. Also, I'm a private pilot. I'm a firearms instructor. I compete in firearms competitions. And uh, I'm writing a book right now. We'll talk about the book if we have time. And What else do I do? Well, we were talking earlier, and you had wanted to tell me a story about when you were a child. And we oh. were talking about, you know, limitations and things like that. Can you share that with us? Sure. The only limitations that you have are limitations that you place upon yourself. You mean I can't blame other people? No, you can't blame other people. But it's, isn't it that group's fault that I'm not further ahead? No, it's your fault. Take responsibility. Assume responsibility for yourself. No limitations. You mean it's okay to dream? Yes, you can dream. But, but dreams don't come true. Okay. First of all, dream bigger and realize if you can dream it, you can accomplish it. I've always known that there was a lot more available than most people settled for. Never never settle. When I was a little kid, and this is what we were discussing before we started the the podcast, when I was a little kid, I don't remember how old, uh, maybe three and a half, maybe four, I was in the backyard in North Carolina in the small town in which I grew up. And uh, I thought, if I stand on that swing and close my eyes, I'm going to be like, 
I don't know, a foot and a half off the ground. If I can convince myself that I can take a step and that there's ground there one and a half feet above where the ground really is, if I can convince myself that it's really solid, I can stand in midair. And I truly believed that. Then I took the step with my eyes closed and I went down to the ground, fell down. And I didn't say, oh, gee, it's not real. It's a stupid thought. No. I said, I didn't have enough belief. I knew there was no ground there. I did not push myself to the point that I knew that the ground was up higher. Because if I did, I would have stood in, in midair. Uh, we were talking about impossible things. I can talk about impossible things now. What's impossible? Whatever you believe is impossible. Whether you believe you can or whether you believe you cannot, you are absolutely correct. And Vinny was asking me earlier, as we we had an opportunity to talk for a little while for an article that he's writing about me. And he says, you, you succeeded everything. You've done everything. Is there anything you don't do? And, well, the added, the idea is conceive, believe, achieve. There are no plan Bs because success or failure, success is the only outcome. Failure is not an option. So bumblebee, I'm a private pilot, for example, and according to all aeronautical knowledge, bumblebees cannot fly. It is impossible. They are aerodynamically unsound. Their bodies are too fat. Their wings are too small. If one were to build an exact duplicate of a bumblebee, put a battery in there, Turn it on, goes exactly the same as the real one. You hold it up, turn it on, and you let it go, and it goes directly into the ground. According to all aeronautical knowledge, all scientific knowledge, bumblebees are aerodynamically unsound. They cannot fly. Flying is impossible. Here's the kicker. Bumblebees don't know they can't fly, so they fly anyway. Most people know they cannot succeed, therefore they cannot succeed. It, it's true. Look at that. That's one of the reasons I go to different wrestling schools and I teach. I'm a guest coach there. I teach them how to be comfortable on the microphone. I teach them how to utilize the microphone. I teach them how to be comfortable in their own skin. There was a fellow by the name of Archibald Leach, way, way, way back in the entertainment industry, the golden age of Hollywood. and. He had a famous, that was the, he changed his name, of course, because we never heard of Archibald Leach. But he has a very famous line that he said. He said, I pretended to be Cary Grant until I became him. I pretended to be Cary Grant until I became him. There are wrestlers, young wrestlers now, in schools and just doing local matches that they're not even pretending to be a wrestler yet. Pretend to be fantastic until you become fantastic. Pretend to be Cary Grant until you become Cary Grant. So it's a lot of attitude. And People don't want to assume responsibility because we've all been programmed masterfully, by the way, by the media, that it's not our fault. 
It's not my fault. I weigh 486 pounds. It's McDonald's fault. No, it's your fault. Well, it's glandular. Yeah, let me lock you in one of my guest homes here in the back. I feed you a thousand calories a day and see how much weight you quote air quotes gain in the next 30 days. You'll see that it's not. It's you. And we all, if we were all to begin to think for ourselves instead of letting the media and other things talk, uh, think for us, man, can you imagine how wonderful things would be? So those of us who do think for ourselves, those of us who are critical, those of us who look at every part, every side of every argument and come up with our own truth, and we see how we're being masterfully manipulated psyops oh psyops to the nth degree but then we find out our own truth and we realize although others would like to limit us they cannot only we can limit ourselves so and you brought up something also Vinny, that you're talking about with my firearms work i'm a competitive shooter i'm not perfect and when I work with people, I work with some of the best in the world, people who are better than I am. I always, no matter what it is, wrestling, I want people who are better than me. I don't want to be in the ring with someone who who is newer. I mean, I will, and I'll work with that person, and I, it will be a gift from me, and it will be to help empower that person so that that he knows how to how to behave, how to grab the attention, worldwide attention, how to have every eye in the arena on him, boom, when he, he doesn't already. How to connect with the people, understanding human psychology, crowd psychology, human nature. The more we know about ourselves and the more we question everything else, the whole, the whole world opens up to us. Everyone who is a parent out there. When Here's the question, and I, I got this from Tony Robbins, actually. Here's the question. When your child is attempting to take his or her first step and falls down, how many times are you going to let them fall down before you say, that's it, you're never walking? And then the parents will say, well, my child will take as many, as many times and as many efforts and as, as many attempts as is necessary in order to walk. And then Tony Robbins would look at you and say, why won't you do that for yourself? I look at you and say, why won't you do that for yourself? Hey, did you ever learn how to roller skate? Were you unwilling to fall? Failing is a part of the process of success. If you're not willing to fall when you're learning to roller skate, you will never roller skate. If you're not willing to fail, understanding that that is part of the journey to success, then you'll never do it. A ship in a harbor is safe. But that's not why we build ships. That's not their purpose. Their purpose is to go to sea and to face those giant waves and to take on those challenges. And so many people just say, uh, I want to sit in the corner and, oh, my gosh, uh, I can't go outside because someone might breathe on me or, I, or, or something might happen or, or there might be a bad guy out there or, yeah. Face your fears. You are your own first responder. Learn how to take care of yourself. When I'm teaching wrestlers and I see someone put a hold on, and I'll have them put it put it on me. Put that hold on me. Now hurt me with it. Well, here. I said, no, you're not hurting me. Don't ever 
put something on that doesn't make any sense. Put it on. Here, I'll show you what a wrist lock is. I'll show you what an ankle lock is. I'll show you. You know, don't ever do anything in the ring that you can't use in the street to really hurt someone if you have to. I wanted to segue into something that I was thinking about, Rock, was when you look at wrestling today, when you watch wrestling today, it's it's got to be a vast difference from what you grew up watching and, and what you did when you were wrestling yourself. I would agree with you. Uh, when I watch wrestling today, there are a few promotions where the real old-school wrestling is still evident, and I really appreciate those people. When I watch, for example, I have lots and lots of friends at WWE, and so I, this is simply my observation. It's, it's not to put anybody down. When I watch the television that WWE puts out, for example, I record it, and I watch it fast forward. Sometimes I will watch two hours, and it takes me, oh, gosh, five minutes. Occasionally, I'll find that they said, this is interesting. Okay, let's stop and see what this is. No, we don't need, I don't need to hear someone who has no idea how to do a promo spend 20 minutes doing a promo or attempting to do a promo an interview, attempting to talk on the microphone in the ring. If you don't know what you're doing, and who in the world would hand a microphone to someone who's not good on the microphone and say, um, we'd like you to be out there for the first uh, 16 minutes? No. Give the guy 16 seconds, maybe. So I teach people how to to utilize the microphone, how to talk. I do live events. I do live online events. I do a lot of different things. I teach online. Let me give my website. For info on Rock Riddle, all you have to remember is rockriddle.info. R-O-C-K-R-I-D-D-L-E dot info. And you can get in touch with me that way, too. And if you just put me in, in a search engine, you'll find a whole ton of stuff. But uh, actually, I'm looking on one of my monitors. I have my website open, the rockriddle.info. It has a long way to go. I'm switching from an older website that doesn't represent me as much anymore to this one. And over the period of the next few days to the next few months, it will change and it will continue growing. I have hundreds of videos that I haven't put up yet. Uh, there is a video section here, interestingly enough. And, Vinny, I don't know you, even know if you've seen this, but here's Jake the Snake Roberts talking about Rock Riddle. The Iron Sheep talking about Rock Riddle. Jesse James, uh, the Road Dog, talking about me. And Rob Van Dam and and Jerry Briscoe and, and Terry Fock. And uh, I've got like a hundred of those. So for those of you who are listening to this voice and say, who's this cocky, arrogant guy and thinks he's somebody I never heard of him? Well, take a look there. See what the, the legends say about me. Do you remember Lance Von Erich from World Class Championship Wrestling? Read all about his career in Portland, in Dallas, and overseas in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read passages by Dusty Wolf, David Manning, and Kevin Von Erich. 25 chapters in all. You'll be surprised by what you read. 
Get your book at LanceByChance.com or on Amazon. Well, speaking about legends, Rock, you've, you've been in the ring with quite a few legends. We were talking about Andre the Giant. What were your fond memories of him? Andre the Giant was a wonderful, wonderful man. The first time I wrestled him, I think, was in Chicago's International Amphitheater. I'm not positive, but it was one of those huge arenas where all of the good guys are in dressing rooms on one side, say the east side of the building, and all of the bad guys are way back an eighth of a mile away on the other side of the building. And the only person, as far as I know, who went back and forth was the referee. So the first time I'm wrestling Andre, the referee walks into my dressing room and says, okay, Rock, you're wrestling Andre the Giant tonight. I said, okay, whoever, open contracts, whoever they want to put in there. I never, very seldom did I ever know ahead of time who I was wrestling before I got there. A lot of, most of the time, I would say over 50% of the time, when I'm wrestling someone for the first time, the first time I ever see that person is as he's entering going toward the ring from the opposite direction. So, anyway, the announcer says, uh, yeah, Andre uh, was just talking about you. He says he's afraid of you. And I looked at the uh, the referee and said, yeah, right. He says, well, that's what he said. I said, okay, Mr. Referee, could you think about it? What were his exact words? Because I find it difficult to believe that he says, I am afraid of Rock Riddle. And he thought for a moment, he says, well, I think his words were something like, I'm afraid I'm going to kill that Rock Riddle guy. I said, well, that's a little bit different. Little humor in the wrestling business. When you put your life on the line every single day, every single night, it's like surgeons who are dealing with life and death. It's like policemen who are dealing with life and death. It's like uh, first responders, uh, medics who are dealing with life and death. Their senses of humor tend to be a bit extreme. Wrestlers have extreme senses of humor. I'm in the ring with Andre. He picks me up for a body slam. I, ha- I wear tights and trunks, and he has his right thumb in the top rear, lower part of my back, in that, the tights and trunks. And he is pushing that his thumb with the tights and trunks, down toward my ankles. I'm grabbing both sides of the tights. I said, no, 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 he's not going to pull these down. This is not funny. You don't do that. If he did, every other man in the building would feel so inadequate. No. There's the original Mr. Wonderful character coming out of it. That, That person I created, the person... I would want to sit front row ringside and watch. That is person is so powerful and it's so close to the surface that I have to be careful that I don't let him out at inappropriate times. Anyway, Andre is looking up at me smiling. And finally, he lowers me a little bit because he's holding me sort of not on his shoulder, but halfway up in midair. Then he brings me back to his shoulder, heaves me, and he's in one corner. I'm going through the air wondering, okay, this is going to hurt when I hit. Oh, my gosh, I hope I don't break something. I hope it's okay. Why am I still in the air? Why haven't I hit yet? Oh, my gosh, I'm torn. Oh, oh, and I finally hit, and it seemed like I was up in the air for a long time. I said, okay, I did not have the wind knocked out of me. 
I, I don't think anything's broken. Okay, thank goodness. And at that point, Andre steps on my stomach with both feet, which is fun. And I can tell you many, many Andre stories, but that's that's basically my first introduction to the amazing Andre the Giant. Wonderful man that he was, and he has missed so much. What was Andre like as a person, as a friend? Andre was a good friend. He was a beautiful person. He was a beautiful man. And he's one of the few people, when I say he was a beautiful person, that that it makes sense. Uh, and he's just, I don't know how else to say it. If he didn't like you, that's too bad. Everyone liked me. I don't know that anyone in the business disliked me. Promoters, I got along with everybody. But Andre was just a, a wonderful person. I'll give you a little uh, visual. Here we are in a huge dressing room. Myself, Andre the Giant, Little Beaver, um, who was Native American, uh, small little person with a mohawk. And we've got uh, uh, African-American little people. And we've got Middle Eastern guy. And we've got uh, super uh, heavy other people. Uh, got every racial and every ethnic group and every religion probably represented in that dressing room. And we didn't see it. We didn't see any difference. This is our family. These are our brothers and sisters. And wow, wouldn't it be nice if that could be taken on the outside? It it might be easier to be taken to the so-called real world Uh if we weren't always bombarded with the fact that we're supposed to hate that group of people. We're supposed to hate those people who think that way. We're supposed to hate rich people. Wait a minute. Why don't you <laughs> admire rich people and become one? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Think for yourself. That's great. Assume personal responsibility. So that's my information about Andre. And I can tell you many, many more stories, but I know we we don't have hours or days to talk about that. I would like you to tell me about your book and, and what the plans are for that. And We were talking about that a little bit earlier. I'm just kind of curious of uh, when we can see it and what can we see in it. The book is going to be out later this year, uh, late 2000, uh, 2021. And I can't, I'm pushing it right now, but I can't say that it's going to be out earlier, even though I have my own idea of a, of a date. The book is entitled Simply Wonderful, and the famous rock riddle pose in the shimmer tuxedo and the sunglasses and the attitude, the arrogance, and comes through very, very easily, prominently. The subtitle is The Choice, Serial Killer, Suicide, or Legend. By the way, I chose Legend. And I'm going to give you a little description right here. One of the most fascinating books you will ever read, guaranteed. This 800-plus page book chronicles the amazing life of Rock Riddle, professional wrestling's original Mr. Wonderful. Although millions of people know his public persona, off-camera, Riddle has always been a very private person. That all changes now as Rock Riddle takes you behind the public image. In his words, quote, Welcome to my universe. The private life of the three-time Hall of Fame recipient now goes public. The title is quite revealing. Simply wonderful, the choice, serial killer, suicide, or legend. 
and the description on the book cover, an intimate and brutally honest autobiography is, in fact, an understatement. So there we have it. That's uh, an idea. I I am a little, not concerned, but surprised. I think it's going to go over a 1,000 pages, and uh, it may end up being two volumes. I know a little bit about doing books myself. I'm on, I'm on my second one. And what what kind of a challenge was that for you? I mean, I've my books are about 220 pages, right? And 800 pages really sounds – how long have you been working on that? I don't know. Probably a, on and off for a year. Um, and before that, with the ideas and not jiving down some notes and things, the the reality is that – as I step away from myself and look at my life, I've had a pretty fascinating life. I've done a lot of things. There's a lot. As a very private person, now is the time to share the good, the bad, the ugly, my challenges. Because people look at me and they say, yeah, three-time Hall of Famer and a legend, and at least in his own mind, et cetera. Yeah, some people just have it easy. No. Have I had times when I've been depressed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That will be in the book. Was it, Was it? for example, is it true, for example, that Rock Riddle was up all night on the phone with suicide prevention, trying to have them talk him into why he should go on after he thought his whole world was gone? Yeah. Do I get depressed at all anymore? Absolutely not. It's ridiculous. Boring. Because what we think are super monsters. Oh, I don't want to face this monster. Oh, my gosh. And in our mind, it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. No. Every morning, face the feared thing first. And you say, well, I have to face that super monstrous monster. And then, yeah, you do. And then you find out it's just tiny and I can flick it away. Wow. I had made this into something Oh my gosh, I'm I'm going to be audited. So what? Look at it as an opportunity. Everything's an opportunity. Go in and win over that IRS auditor, auditor who has not ever probably had someone treat him like a human being. Talk about other stuff. You know, ask him what his name is. Remember his name. Things like that. You go into a restaurant and you treat the server like a human being. You call that server by name. You build rapport. You get, and the purpose is not to, to an outcome, but you'll end up many times getting free dessert, having free drinks come over, getting a discount, and that kind of thing. It's just being nice to people. So out of the ring, I'm nice to people, unless they don't deserve niceness. And uh, I can be fairly confrontational otherwise. <laughs> and I, since you heard the laughter, maybe that's part uh, of the personality. Anyway, there's a, there's about the book. It's about my life. It's about the anger that drove me. You talk about Jake Roberts. We mentioned Jake Roberts uh, earlier before we started recording, I believe. Jake Roberts, I just saw something that he did where he talked about he had such anger and the anger drove him. Same with me. Nobody would know that. If I wrote, didn't write, not write the book, 
then nobody would ever know it except I just admitted it right there. Great driving force. You have to realize everything's possible as long as you just you just decide. And sometimes also too, uh, it's maybe not always fear. It's sometimes it's just not knowing. You know, maybe maybe you don't know how to do it. You know, you need the right people to kind of guide you. And that was my experience as well. You know, that you know when I was writing my book. Uh, someone came yeah. along who wrote books and was willing to teach me how to write books and how to put them together and how to market them. And, you know, so sometimes it's that also, you know, not having the right people surrounding you. You want to surround yourself with people who are better than you, who have achieved more than you. And that doesn't mean that you don't give people hands up. One of the reasons I do the, the wrestling now and I, I do like uh, a week from Saturday, I'm doing a nine in the morning to one or two in the afternoon i'm doing a training where i will teach how teach wrestlers how to use the microphone teach students and wrestlers and teach them how to uh, wrestle in the ring and and teach them respect and and teach them how limitless they are and uh, how not to be cookie cutters of, of everybody else because that's boring how to be a unique individual how to stand out but i do that because i have a few decades, maybe even more than that, of experience in this entertainment industry and the professional wrestling business. And if I have all this knowledge, hopefully wisdom, inside information and insight, I have all of that. If I keep it bottled up inside of me, it has no value. It has a tremendous amount of power. It could eat me up from the inside out, but it has no value unless I share it with people. I share it with people who are deserving. I cast my my students i choose who with the people with whom i want to work people have a bad attitude or they don't have the correct attitude i don't really want to go in the ring with them in a school and because i figure i know what i will do i will adjust that attitude and i will do it right there in front of everybody and and have done it um, a few times and i really prefer not to have to have that happen but I'll put a little hold on someone and walk them around the ring and so that they can uh, apologize, not just to me, but apologize. apologize to the people on this side of the ring. Okay, now apologize to all the students on this side. Now the third side, now the fourth side. Did I make my point? Excellent. All right. So uh, what did you just ask me? It was, oh, I was going to give you a story. I don't remember what story I was going to tell you now. Give me a subject or a topic uh, for whatever time we have left, and I will cover that. Favorite match, favorite opponent, favorite venue. Favorite match. Every time I wrestled Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson, uh, gosh, maybe 15 years ago, introduced me to some people in the wrestling business whom I had not met before. And when he introduced me, he says, this is Rock Riddle. This is the original Mr. Wonderful of professional wrestling. I had some of the best matches of my career with this man. When he first said that, I was half smiling, waiting for a punchline. And there was no, no punchline. So then I'm basically looking around for something on, I can hold on to because that was so powerful. And I thanked him. I said, that's the, that's probably the greatest compliment I've ever received in my life. He says, well, Rock, I don't ever have to, I don't have to say anything. I say it because it's true. And then he, I was rewarded uh, 
I received an award at the CAC, which is the largest uh, fraternal organization of professional wrestlers in the world, a philanthropic organization, caulifloweralleyclub.org. And Pat Patterson uh, presented the award to me. They said, who would you like to have present the award? I said, Pat Patterson. When I would drive to a city, because the booking sheet that we got would simply say, okay, here is the following week or the next 10 days. It would have the date. It would usually have Monday, and then it would have uh, the city, uh, Chicago. It would have Tuesday, uh, Bismarck. It would have Wednesday, whatever. So we would simply go to the city. Whenever I drove, I usually drove alone. Kosrovasiri, the Iron Sheik, became one of the one of my rare passengers. That's a oh another story for another day. But uh, I would normally drive alone. I would look for a gas station. And I would look for a poster, and if it said Rock Riddle versus Luthez, I would say, okay, I'm not eating until after the match. Say maybe I get to town at five o'clock, and I think. Maybe I could get something to eat. I see Rock Riddle versus Pat Patterson. I said, okay, I can get something to eat, get a little something to eat now because this will be, will do. And many, many times with Pat Patterson, it was a 45-minute match, 45-minute time limit, and it went 45 minutes. And I remember several times not being happy with that, asking for another 15 and getting it and just talking, telling Pat. Publicly, of course. You can't beat me. You can't. Uh, I would call him a coward. Because the the promoter, the ring announcer, the referee would look at him and say, do you want to do the 15 more minutes? Do you want another 15 minutes added on to this? So, you know, okay, fine. And he would, and they would do 15 more minutes. And it was like poetry in motion. People who had no reason to say it. After a match, for example, with Pat Patterson, they would say, my gosh, you more than gave the people their money's worth. I said, well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So Pat Patterson, I enjoyed working with everybody. Uh, There are very few people I did not enjoy working uh, wrestling. And so, but Pat Patterson's number one. Yeah, that was, I'm glad you brought him up because he was a, uh, it's such a fun wrestler to watch, and and it was sad of his passing uh, here some time back. And you know, it's just one of those guys that really contributed a lot to the business. Yeah, and favorite venue would be, I think, the Cal Palace in San Francisco, simply because I made so much money there. So now I'm wrestling Pat Patterson in the Cal Palace in San Francisco. You know, Rock, it, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you. You are uh, just full of wisdom and, and stories and knowledge, and you're just a really fun person to talk to, and I really enjoyed the time that you gave me today. I, I really do appreciate that. It is my pleasure, and I must compliment you for having the good common sense and insight to have someone amazing on your podcast. So... I say thank you, Vinny. Thank you. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. 
Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll also read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, June Hernandez, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your copy today at LanceByChance.com.